Thank you for tuning in to Cop with Comic. I'm Brian Cop. I'm with Comic Anthony Martin. Anthony Martin, how the hell are you? I'm good. It's good to good. be here. Thank you. Oh, great. Great to have you on. Thank you so much for coming on. We follow you everywhere. You are What Am I on Twitter, which is W-A-T-A-M-E-Y-E. There's probably a couple other less funny Anthony Martins out there, so that's your Twitter handle. On Instagram, though, you are the Anthony Martin, the only Anthony Martin who matters there. And on TikTok, you are Anthony with cheese, right? That's correct. <laughs> and tell me about your podcast that you have. Uh, I do a podcast called Pandering Hour. Um, <clears throat> I was recording before I had a name for it, and then I realized... I just was kind of pandering to different groups, and so I go do, I go through different groups of people that listen to podcasts from countries to states, and now I'm currently in professions. Uh, the number one profession of people that listen to podcasts was weed trimmer. You said wheat or weed trimmer? Weed. Weed trimmer. <laughs> which is not a real job, <laughs> unless if you're in like a medical setting. Uh, so did you do a podcast episode for them? The fake profession, just the weed people were just hilarious? Yeah, I, I clarified that in the beginning. I'm like, listen, if you're just, if you're a 23-year-old white guy, which the, the demographics say that you are, <laughs> if you're a 23-year-old white guy who's a weed trimmer, um, and you're just like in the back crud, crunching up bud and you're high, you're it's not a real job. But if you have to wear like goggles and a hazmat suit, and you're sitting in a chair and it's not fun, that's a real job. <laughs> so did you did you settle on whether or not it's a real job, you're just assuming that they don't have goggles and a suit on? I mean, it's it's kind of a hard job either way. Like I had, um, so I have, there's a, a story related to this. So uh, I grew up in Burbank, California. <clears throat> I had a friend who his older brother would have a harvest of marijuana every season, whatever season that is. And so he learned how to grow weed from his older brother. And they would they started getting competitive. Who could grow the most weed? Who could grow the tallest plant? Um, who could ensure that the plant came out female? Because the weed will only the plant will only produce flower or bud if it's a female plant. If it's a male plant, it basically just turns into hemp, which is only good for wallets and canvas. Uh-huh. So he grew this giant plant that was taller than me and i'm six four so here we have a seven foot weed plant and he was basically recruiting his friends to help him break down the weed which is essentially the weed trimmer's job and so as we're doing this like he gave he gives me one out of like a hundred branches we work on it for two hours and we could barely get through a, a third of the branch like it's very difficult work and i distinctly remember you go deep so you actually like this ain't just a fucking lark like you really are like let me really dive into this weed trimming uh so-called profession and see if it's something and you figured out that it was harder than it sounded well it's uh it's not like i was diving in i I just happened to smoke weed a few years ago a lot But his, I mean, his, so is, does every episode go that deep, though? Like when you're kind of like, OK, we're going to focus on this country. We're going to focus on this profession for this particular podcast episode. Do you have a particular guest on who's going to shed some light on it? Or is it just you kind of vamping? Um, it's mostly just me vamping. Uh, a lot of just research, a lot of Googling. Um, I talk shit about BuzzFeed. Um, the, the, I did another episode where I pandered to women. 
<laughs> so that so how, do, how, yeah, how do you pander to women? How is it different from flirting, right? <laughs> the world's most expensive kitchen appliances. <laughs> and then I went in. I obviously that's a little bit over the top, but I, <laughs> I, uh, I then went into like myths about women. Like, what do women really think? Okay. I, you know, I tried. I tried to be fair. Okay. And how can you do that without a female guest on? Well, I've never had a guest on, so okay. Well, how can you be fair? How can you be fair without any guests? It's just kind of like here's one man's opinion, and I'll try to educate myself. But it, to the extent it's ignorant, I'm kind of being an edge lord, and it will lead to engagement, even if it's negative engagement. Well, if you, I mean, a white man's opinion is pretty much the only one that matters, right? <laughs> when, we, when we really think about it. <clears throat> How's that doing down? Are you you're in Austin now? How's that doing with the Austin comedy scene as far as being like I'm the white man and my opinion matters? Uh, well, you know, it's uh the Austin comedy scene. It's it's very similar to the LA comedy scene. I was hoping yeah. it'd be different. <clears throat> my my experience in LA is that it's very much a, who do you know? It's like based in networking, okay. but it's so dense and there's such a high level, you know, like, you know, there's the comedy store right there where you can see some of the greatest com comics who've ever lived. Yeah. You know, there's a significance in LA. Um, and I think the community knows that and there's a brotherhood about it. And I don't think, Austin has that brotherhood. I think the brotherhood is still forming that sort of community where we go, you know, we're all in this together, even though this is a network based thing. This is a you got to get in contact with the right people and so forth. People there's like an ego of certain Austin comics where. They're like, excuse me, I run the backyard open mic. <laughs> the the largest open mic in austin in northern austin texas you don't know me and i've met i've met people like that in la as well but they're like oh i was in six seasons of the walking dead as a zombie you don't know me like a little bit more qualified in lax i guess so, I mean, but I mean, are you allowed, I mean, do you go around with that persona that, you know, the, the white, the white man's opinion is superior or is that, oh, um, is that just the persona? persona? Is, that, is that the persona <laughs> or is that actually you? Um, no, that's not really me. I, uh, I just say the craziest shit possible at any given moment. Um, I like Thank to treat you. comedy. There's yeah. a, there's a science story that I really enjoy that I relate to comedy okay. about this radiologist in the Manhattan program. So in the Manhattan Project, I'm sorry. So when they were studying uh, nuclear energy, there was one particular scientist that they described as like a daredevil, like a wild man. And there's a particular experiment where there was a dome isolating an I a radioactive isotope. And if these two domes touched, it, it would start a chain reaction, which would lead to nuclear fission, AKA a bomb. And the thing separating these two domes was a metal plate. So what this guy did is he removed the metal plate and he stuck a fork in between those two domes to keep it open. And he was trying to narrow out the opening so that he could like light a cigarette or some crazy shit. Like the, what he was trying to do was basically irrelevant because this dangerous experiment he was doing led to him slipping and closing the dome. Okay. Thus creating a nuclear fission for a brief few moments okay 
while he wore no protective gear. <laughs> um, eventually, they get the metal plate back in there. Everything's fine. No one was hurt except for the one scientist who had third-degree burns on his muscle tissue. Oh, no. The two domes touching produced enough produced enough light to be blinding. He wanted to smoke a cigarette or jerk off or something. <laughs> <laughs> third-degree burns on your muscle tissue. That's like Duff McKagan. I think when his pancreas exploded, he had like third-degree burns on the inside of his body. And it's just like, I can't believe that shit. Because burns are awful. But well, I can't believe they're on that most vulnerable tissue. That's fucking amazing. How is and that possible? How, yeah, I don't know. Pancreas? Uh, well, his pancreas exploded because of alcoholism. You know, he's sober now. But, uh, you know, after Guns N' Roses, he was drinking pretty heavy, I guess. And, um... And yeah, I guess that happened. So that fucking sucks. Um, but yeah, so the scientists said, so was it by accident? Like, you know, in doing so, they discovered that nuclear fission or fusion actually worked though, right? I mean, it was kind of an un unintended consequence was positive, which is like, oh yeah, that shit works. I He was just fucking around, really. Like, it, <laughs> as far as I, I read, he was mostly just trying to find different uses for it. Like if he could use the 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 energy to, you know, do something meaningless, like light a cigarette or scramble an egg. Like he, uh, he was trying to make it. He was basically trying to domesticate a nuclear explosion. Ah, and ha have they done anything with that? Like, did they use that in microwaves and shit? Like, was there unintended positive consequences with that shit? Like, other than bombs, they use it for commercial technology at all? Or am um, I asking the wrong comic? I should be asking a scientist, I suppose, or googling yeah, it myself, I'm not, or going I'm not on that yeah, much of an expert. I just like the story. Oh yeah, uh, but yeah. So related to comedy, yeah. core. So, re so but related to comedy though. Well, there are certain topics that are radioactive and will get you burned. Okay. Like, I've, I've seen it happen where, you know, I'm friendly with a person, I'm nice with them, but in the effort of trying to be dangerous, and in, in the effort of trying to get, not necessarily be shocking, I want to be seen as clever and intelligent, but in the same way with Dave Chappelle, like, he's, he goes after those hard topics, and I want to have the same spirit. And sometimes people look at me <laughs> a certain way, they're like oh you said the bad thing it's like yeah well it was funny in the moment or you know i was trying to be at the very least okay so you were yeah you were trying okay you, you, at the very least you knew i was trying to be funny and if it didn't work for this particular audience that doesn't mean it will never work and it's like why are you recording this shit because i am just trying to fuck around right now so that when i got my special i'll be able to edgelord successfully to laugh in every single room and what are the topics that you're kind of going after like Chappelle found out that okay I've had an experience as a black person, you know, I, you know, I, lived, I grew up as a black person, I was born as a black person, I knew every black person in the history of time, I can talk about this stuff intelligently from a variety of experience, but, you know, his commentary on the LGBTQIA community is like, dude, you met a couple gays and like that qualifies you to opine as to what trans people are going through. I think that he kind of forgot the cardinal fucking rule, which is like knowing one black person is not knowing all of them like don't generalize don't stereotypes so, like what are the topics that you think that you've been successfully able to kind of you know um you know break you know you've been you know dancing the razor's edge to laughs what are those topics that you're kind of successful at um so my um during this whole asian hate thing um my girlfriend is asian so i have this bit about have wanting to be able to kill someone righteously you know, like a right, like kill someone, but everyone's like, yeah, you got him, you know? And so the fantasy I ended up coming up with is like, like me and my Asian girlfriend are out to dinner, uh, let's say in Texas, and some guy walks over and he's like, hey, fucking ching chong, little lady, and he flips our table. 
and I just beat the shit out of them. And there it's you like, go. I, I, I make it more ridiculous than that, but, or like, if it's not just one guy, it's 10 guys and I defeat them with my Kung Fu. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's like amazing. Kinda, I'm able to get away with, um, a lot because I create this hateful character and they see me and it kind of paints me in such a light where they go, Oh, Anthony's not going to say the fucked up thing. And then I do. But that, I mean, the Kung Fu thing is a cap, like, you know, you really have to have an Asian girlfriend. Like it's the fact that the character, you know, you're with an Asian girlfriend, the joke is kind of enough, I would think. And yeah, like putting it in the mouth of a hateful character and slamming it all down with Kung Fu. That's fucking magical. And how did you kind of arrive at the idea? Oh shit. I should put this in the idea of something. I should put this, um, these words, these hateful words coming out of a hateful character, and that way people are still on my side. Um, well, it's just accurate, you know, for accuracy. And I've tried doing things similar, you know, like I, um, I'm half Mexican. <clears throat> so during, I, I mean, it's, I was about to say I've been Mexican all my life, obviously. <laughs> um, but the only two white people in my family are me and my dad. Like all my cousins, everyone, the only family I've ever known is Mexican. My grandma would babysit me when I was a kid and she only speaks Spanish. So growing up and then starting to see the whole Trump thing, you know, where Mexicans become demonized, like I, it was very personal for me and it just be, kind of became my grandma. And I tried to approach the situation as a Mexican, but that only really works if you have sort of like a, if you tackle it with a more liberal language, you know, Okay. Like like. you have to, you kind of have to pigeonhole your enemy, quote unquote, the, the opposing characters in such a narrow minded way. And I don't have that kind of perspective in life. I think everybody's the same. So even like the most, like, I think, <laughs> I think me and Hitler have a lot in common, for instance, I think, <laughs> But I also think me and Kevin Hart have a lot in common. I think me and Gandhi have a lot in common. Every, I think everybody is everybody. Okay. And it's just the way they, they navigated life that led to the great things or the horrible things that they did. Hitler just acted on his, his maniac impulses. Do you have maniac impulses like Hitler? And how All are you controlling that? Okay. The and how are you controlling that by just saying it into a mic instead of, you know, in front of 4,000 hateful bigots? Oh, dude. It's... <laughs> if I... I just have. I just need one bad set before I just go. Flashdragon the Bloich, say flag. I just <laughs> one bad set, and I'm going full Joaquin Phoenix and the Joker. Like I, I guess that's true. I mean, he, you know, if he was better as a, you know, if he had more success as a painter, maybe he would have stayed on the painting path. You know, it's just like you with comedy, man. You better not have that bad set. I know. <laughs> I don't think I have the political power to really do anything else, but. <laughs> If you're hateful enough, you can get there, I suppose. Yeah. So what did you, you know, how did you treat Trump during the Trump administration and how are you treating him now? Did you just kind of leave it, leave him out of your act because it got hack or did you have a real, you know, because you have the Mexican angle, you really kind of um, devoted a lot of your material to it. And have you had to kind of chop that material out? Well, fortunately, it's not, I'm not really going at Trump in the bit. I'm going at my dad because my dad voted for Trump. Uh. And the punchline is, uh, he doesn't just want, he wants to build a wall in the house. <laughs> That's a perfect visual. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Okay. So how, I mean, 
I don't want you to tell a joke. I don't need you to, you know, burn, you know, great material, but just look, how the fuck did you get there? I mean, just that's amazing, Bill. <laughs> like, so anytime what you say, you know, an opinion that's liberal or something, he wants to build a wall in the house to kind of keep that opinion out of his ears or what? Um, no, it's just because it's it's easy to play off. My dad loves my grandma. Like, it's not like my dad's a, a racist person or anything. Right. But um, the mother-in-law stereotype works really well. Like, I, and his and my dad's mother-in-law is Mexican, yeah. so he wants to build the wall in the house. It's very easy to see that those characters playing that certain way. Good. And how'd you get there? I mean, how'd you kind of figure out that your act should be kind of setting up these characters rather than some people just go out there and then, you know, they're first person about everything. You know, I think this, I think that, but you're kind of doing something more dynamic that seems like it will be a little, little bit more fruitful, which is kind of setting up characters so you can give them weird opinions or whatever. You know, were you always doing it that way or when did you have that kind of lightning bolt moment when you're like, ah, oh, shit, there should be way more characters in, in here instead of just Anthony Martin? Um, I learned a lot about characters and I learned that I, I had a good understanding of them doing improv. I did improv for about two years at the LA Connection. Mm. Um, I rose from level one to level six pretty quickly, wow. um, which I guess they called level six junior varsity. Nice. And I, assume, I don't know too much about improv um, hierarchies. Um, be, but it's very it was very different from um, uh, Upright Citizens Brigade, which was more focused on, you know, solo scenes and and uh, writing characters, you know, making it work on paper, as so or so I'm told. Um, and LA Connection was more like the performance and the fun side of improv. Like we played a lot of whose line is it anyway type games, and that that's what the show would be like. So when we would have a our Saturday and Friday show, it's basically like going to your local theater to watch whose line is it anyway. If you've oh, ever cool. seen that show. Oh cool, yeah, I did back in the day. I'm pretty old. Yeah, I'm surprised, surprised you did. <laughs> that show that. was my jam. I've watched every episode, and I've been watching it since I was like seven. Um, is it just because it's fun? And are you trying to bring, you know, make sure that, that it stays fun on stage? And how can you do that if you're going out with, around with kind of controversial shit? Like, I don't think Whose Line Is it Anyway got into difficult, you know, uh, Anthony Martin is a kung fu, you know, or, you know, master or something like. Like, how did you figure out? Oh, I want to keep the fun on stage. Like, whose line is it anyway? But I kind of want to do it with hot button topics. Um, it's not. It's well, first of all, in whose line is it anyway? There's like a few iconic moments, and like the, they're they're playing to an audience. So it was kind of a little bit stand y in terms of the banter between the host and the. Um, and the players and there are a few moments like recent moments in whose line when uh it wasn't drew carey hosting anymore and it was aisha tyler uh who's a black woman they're talking about uh tarzan they're like why does a white man have to be king of the jungle and ryan styles goes well he has to be able to swim <laughs> off the top of his head wow. and you just see everyone lose their shit wow but it's not like it's not like they're like, oh, fuck it, get him. Like, you yeah. know, it's, they're just like, damn, that was good. Wayne Brady, uh, <laughs> they they all thought it was great. And I don't know the background of it. Maybe that had a, a darker impact <laughs> that I, you know, they maybe never saw Ryan Styles again with HR that I wasn't privy to. <laughs> 
But moments like that are kind of what I strive for in comedy, where everyone can go, oh, you know. But that will shift, you know, like, you know, the whole stereotype of, you know, colored people not being able to swim, people of color not being able to swim, like, you know, that couldn't, you know, maybe that doesn't get the knee-jerk laugh it does anymore. So are you making sure to kind of like, you know, figure out where the line is with each audience so that you kind of dance on it rather than cross it? Oh, certainly. But that's the, I mean, that's the craft of it all. Yes. It's trying to stay connected with people and trying to, you know, update your material, stay present. And you, there's nothing but being present when you do stand up, as wow. I'm sure you're aware. But first, uh, you have to be as brilliant as Ryan Styles on that show, which of course he is. He surfs the scenes, Anthony Martin on Twitter. What am I? W A T A. M E Y E, which is where I'll be retweeting all his edgy, funny shit, but also the Anthony Martin on Instagram, Anthony with cheese on TikTok. Anthony Martin, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. This has been great.